Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. David Cobb is college basketball and college football writer for CBS Sports. Haven't had him on the show in a while. I'm glad the triumphant return of David Cobb to the Gabe Kuhn Show at David W. Cobb on X. David, what's happening, man? How are you? I'm doing well. It's an honor to be back on these airwaves with you, Gabe. I don't know if we've talked since you uh, became a married man, nope. and uh, I want to congratulate you publicly Thank on you, uh, on that on that wonderful step. I know uh, I saw Ryan Silverfield was not able to attend. Yes, um, yeah. but but I'm sure it was a special day nonetheless. You know, I originally got told that they were going to get an interim for the Boise State game, but I guess <laughs> he I guess he didn't follow through on his promises. Priorities. Where are the priorities? That's what I'm trying to say, man. Come on, unreal. Unreal stuff. But what have you been up to? You, you, you're worldwide Cobb. You go from, like, city to city. We know this. Yeah. Yeah, started out this football season in uh, Orange County, California. Caught a USC game at the Coliseum. And now we've made our way back to the central time zone. And yes. for the first time in my life, uh, this may not go over well with everyone uh, on your airwaves. But uh, we are temporarily residing in Nashville, um, which is interesting because it's halfway between – my wife's hometown of Knoxville and my hometown of Memphis. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not the worst. I, I it's not. Sort of, it really I isn't. Sort of been, yeah, I've sort of been groomed to, to dislike Nashville. And, and I certainly get annoyed when you're traveling the country and you tell people you're from Tennessee. And then they immediately say, oh, Nashville. And you're like, okay, sure. But there's so many other great parts of Tennessee so I think that's the thing that annoys me the most. But we've been here for a few weeks now, and, and we're enjoying it so far. You know, I wish one day we'd drop the Nashville-Memphis beef. Me Just too. And like, like some days I contribute to it, and then other days I'm, I think it's dumb. And like I alternate between those two things. But when, I don't know, it feels to me as though they're just so, so, so different and distinct. And that's what I love about Tennessee is that Memphis and West Tennessee have their own distinct, unique flavor, part of the Delta. Then you have Middle Tennessee and Nashville, which are just exploding and have the country music legacy. And then you have East Tennessee, which has two wonderful cities in Chattanooga and Knoxville that are Appalachian and so outdoorsy and beautiful, right? So, I mean, I'm not working for the Tennessee Department of Tourism here, but... Um, Sounds anyway, like it, though. You, you do yeah. a damn good job. You do a damn yeah, good job, David. I don't know how you got me on that tangent, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, I like it. I like it. Now, um, let's take a trip out to Michigan for a second, where Jim Harbaugh, is dealing. he dealt with his three-game suspension. 
Um, and now he's dealing with a sign-stealing scandal that has to do with <laughs> one of his analysts, Connor Stallions, which is kind of funny. I mean, he was a guy from Naval, uh, the Naval Academy, um, and I think on his uh, LinkedIn, he said that he identifies opponents' most likely course of action and most dangerous course of action, and then he's also good at identifying and exploiting critical vulnerabilities and centers of gravity in the opponent's scouting process. He's accused, <laughs> he's accused of going on the road doing in-game scouting, which was prohibited in 1994 as a money-saving thing for the lower FBS schools because they didn't want to send somebody out and pay money to go do that. Um, but this is more hot water for Michigan, and also Connor Stallions has uh, deleted all of his social media accounts, and he is suspended now until they conclude an investigation, and it feels like it might be relatively open and shut because this does not seem new to a lot of the, the, the Big Ten opponents that they've been playing the past couple of years. No, it does not. And, and I think Connor Scallions, um, he, he ought to be working for the NSA. With that, <laughs> I mean, with that LinkedIn, my gosh. I mean, that is insane. How many other GAs or, or off-field uh, football staffers have a LinkedIn profile with that sort of description in it? Uh, my goodness. Uh, he certainly wasn't trying to hide uh, the, the, the things that he was doing right. for Michigan. and. You know, the idea that Jim Harbaugh didn't know anything about this, I find that preposterous because, Gabe, you know as well as anybody uh, how college football head coaches are control freaks, and they know about everything that's going on in their program. I mean, maybe not right. 100% of them, but like 95% of them are like that. And the idea that he would just have no idea whatsoever that this was going on, when there's images of the guys standing on you know the sideline at Michigan games, it's uh, – it's kind of silly, and it, it puts him in hot water since he's already in NCAA turmoil. Now you add this to the mix. I mean, the, the soap opera just never ends there with, with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. And the fact that this is happening when they are having their best season in I, I don't even right. know how long, that's incredible. The timing on this is incredible, and it makes you kind of wonder what brought this to the attention of the NCAA at this moment in time. I, I'm just curious, like, uh, your thoughts in general on it. it. Obviously, it's illegal by NCAA standards, but when we talk about in-game scouting, going somewhere else and uh, sitting in the stands, sitting in the press box, whatever it may be, and sort of looking at their signs, looking at what they do, I think you can get a lot of that um, via film. Now, if they're doing electronic relays and everything else, sort of the Houston Astros way, um, mm -hmm. then that's a step too far, a bridge too far. But I brought this up yesterday. I From middle school to high school – um, can't speak on college because I don't. I, we didn't. We didn't. We knew it was illegal, and that didn't happen there. But like middle school, high school, pee wee, high, uh, uh, even the NFL, like in game scouting, showing up to games, looking at people you're going to play is. I mean, that's normal. That's normal. Now it's prohibited by college, and it seems like uh, Jim Harbaugh and and whoever was you know arranging this whole thing with Michigan completely ignored the rules. But I think ultimately I find it to be a, a strange rule in general. But, again, if it's electronic relays and everything else with the sign stealing, then it becomes a step too far for me, a bridge too far. Well, sign stealing is a part of sports in all sports. It's a part of baseball. It's, it's even a part of basketball. I noticed this when I was covering the Grizzlies because the CA had a, had a primetime courtside seat there. And you can see when, when it was J.B. Bickerstaff and then Taylor Jenkins, when they would be calling something out, the opponents are looking over to see what numbers he's flashing and what he's saying, and then they are adjusting their defense accordingly. So there's there's that element of it in basketball. In baseball, not, I'm not even talking about stuff to the level of the Astros with uh, the, the pitch sign feeling and stuff, but 
looking at what the third base coach is doing, right, and getting a read on, on what might be happening there. That's, that's a huge part right. of baseball at all levels. And then you have all this experience on the football side of, of, of this same type of stuff that you mentioned, and I'm sure it happens in, in soccer and in hockey and in other sports as well. So this isn't, this isn't unique uh, or mm-hmm. abnormal. Uh, but if they're breaking the rules, they're breaking the rules. Right. And, and if we want to decide whether or not the rules should be changed, then okay, that's another conversation. But this is against the rules. They were doing something that it appears they were doing something that was very much not allowed and that they should have known it was not allowed. And uh, so that's a problem because it's going to it's gonna really, I think, damage – whatever Michigan gets done this season. And mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know if it'll be to the degree uh, that the Astros World Series title was tainted by that scandal, but we could be talking about something very similar. I mean, Michigan didn't need to steal signs to beat any of these opponents on their schedule to this point, uh, but it, it will still taint those victories and you know, maybe a, a very harsh punishment. Uh, which I doubt we'll see, you know, could even bring in, in forfeitures like uh, that. That you know, I, I haven't seen that yet, but I'm sure that'll be a part of the conversation and something that, that some of the opponents who have been the victims of this uh, would like to push for. Yeah, no, I'm sitting here by uh, Brad Carson. I know he'd like to see the UNLV game be a forfeiture <laughs> so his UNLV running Rebs could be 6-0. and And shout out my guy Barry Odom as well. I think That's he'd right. like that as well. But um, how much do you believe in the conversation of – this may lead Jim Harbaugh to despise the college game. I mean, this is two things, same year when he has his best chance ever to go win a national championship. Um, I, I'm sure, you know, just looking at his track record these past couple off seasons, 2022, uh, he had an interview with the Vikings, 2023 interview with the Broncos. He's been leaning that way for a while, although he'll tell you different when you get him in front of a uh, microphone. But how, how much do you buy into that conversation that this could lead Jim Harbaugh out of college football? Yeah, I buy into it quite a bit because right. it seems like every year there's something with him that has annoyed him or irritated him or caused him to be receptive to the calls that are coming from the NFL. And the things that you have to do as a college football coach now, they're only adding up. The NIL stuff, the transfer portal stuff, the, there's just more responsibilities on head coaches now than ever before. And that's not necessarily the case in the NFL. I mean, being an NFL head coach, it's still a very taxing and cumbersome job, but not to the degree of being a college head coach in this era when you have to put up still in this era with all the red tape of the NCAA. And so, you know, if if Jim Harbaugh wins a national title this year, could you see him riding off into the uh, the sunset? Uh, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Or could you see him jump into the NFL? Absolutely. It seems like you always have to keep your head on a swivel with him uh, because there's always that interest. Um, every every offseason, the, the story comes out about him interviewing with an NFL team. And stuff like this, I'm sure, only makes him more receptive to those opportunities. So what does it mean for Michigan moving forward? I don't know. But this has cast a pall the last few days now over what is uh, one of the best seasons that we've seen, most dominant seasons that we've seen. I mean, Michigan right now is on par or maybe even above the level of 2021 Georgia in terms mm-hmm. of just total domination of college football. And now this, uh, this is what we're talking about, and that's a problem. And that could absolutely be something that impacts you know, Jim Harbaugh in, in his desire to keep going with this and might impact his ability to do it too because if the NCAA does come down with a harsh suspension, uh, it could be a, a situation where 
um, he kind of has no choice. I, right. I don't know. I mean, with somebody that that's already been in this much trouble, you you just wonder how much grace there's going to be. Yeah, and he's he's he had to build his respect back up for the NFL. And I think he fully has it based on two interviews in the past two years. But we'll see what happens going forward with this investigation and everything else. But the fact that we have our guy Connor Stallions t- deleting all his social medias, I like it doesn't it doesn't feel like they're going to be able to wipe their hands completely clean. But we shall see. Now I'm talking with a UT grad. That would be David Cobb at David W Cobb. On X, we have Tennessee versus Alabama. Tennessee going to Alabama after last year's game in Knoxville that they got over top with a field goal. Alabama has not looked good on the offensive line. Um, Jalen Milrose starting to come along a little bit. Um, uh, some of those weapons on the outside uh, are, are, are waking up. Defense is solid. I, I This Alabama team is sort of a strange – it's it's a strange – it's hard to look at them each week and know what they're going to uh, perform like on a Saturday, they've played a lot of close games. How do you feel Tennessee can get over top of this Alabama team? Yeah, I, I like Tennessee against the spread. I feel like eight and a half, nine and a half, which is where it's at in most places, is, is a little steep. When you look at the fact that uh, Tennessee w- should be able to run the football against Alabama, right. uh, you look at the fact that Tennessee is among the best in the country at pressuring opposing quarterbacks. James Pierce uh, and Tyler Barron, they could have a big day. They could. Now, Jalen Milrow is much more mobile than Max Johnson or even Spencer Rattler, so that'll be a new challenge for the Tennessee defense. But I, I, the, the strengths of Alabama are the deep ball and their their defense in terms of intercepting passes and pressuring the opposing quarterback. Alabama is not a great running team, and they're not great at stopping the run. So, so Tennessee should be able to run the football. I mean, what this game to me comes down to is whether or not Tennessee can – uh, limit the number of deep shots that Jalen Milrow hits because my man is just about as accurate throwing the ball 40 yards downfield as he is throwing it five to seven yards across the middle. It's amazing mm-hmm. how how effective he is down the field versus how inaccurate he is uh, underneath and, and intermediate stuff. So that that is a baffling sort of situation here. And if he if he misses on some of the deep shots, Alabama is a team that gets going into three and outs real real quick. And uh, that, that can wear on, on you defensively if you're going three and out and then Tennessee's going out there with a three-headed monster running back and, you know, rattling off five, six yards of pop on the ground. So, I mean, that's the path to victory uh, for, for Tennessee uh, to keep Jalen Milrow from hitting the, the downfield shot on third down and then uh, using the run game to, to make that Alabama defense a little bit tired. So I think there's a legitimate path there for, for Tennessee. It won't be easy going to Bryant-Denny where they haven't won in, in 20 years, but I think they're capable. Have you been impressed with the growth like of, of Jalen Milrow week by week as I have? I know last week he only completed like half of his passes, but when we look at that Texas game, it was deep shot or use your legs. There was nothing in between. I think as the season has wore along and maybe the South Florida game where they started Tyler Buckner and, and didn't play him at all, um, maybe that woke him up a tad bit, but the intermediate and short routes he's starting to get better at as the season goes along, and I think that that's a massive area of growth that he that he absolutely needed to show after his few starts last year and the early part of this season. Yeah, I think that's how Florida game woke everybody up because even the Alabama coaches then realized, okay, Jalen Milrow is our best option, and we don't really have another choice here. Uh, he's he's been improving. He's been getting better. The, the problem for me still remains the, the short and the intermediate stuff. And in particular, you go back to the third and fourth quarters against Arkansas last week. He went uh, for a stretch of eight consecutive passes without a completion. Right. 
That, that coincided with three consecutive three and out. That led to a pair of Arkansas touchdowns. And those are the types of stretches you just can't have uh, because Alabama's recipe for success and victory this year is a game manager setting things up for the defense, the best place kicker in the country right now, Will Reichard, the third best punter in the country in Burnup, right? So it's a, it's a complimentary football type of team uh, to use a, a coaching cliche where uh, the defense is working in concert with the special teams and you just need the offense to avoid the blunders kind of deal. Uh, and sometimes there are still those blunders and those lapses. And that's my concern with Jalen Milrow. So Nick Saban's been encouraging him to think of his job kind of like a point guard as a distributor. And, right. and he wants Jalen Milrow to, to think of his responsibilities in those terms. Sometimes you don't have to uh, pull up from seven feet beyond the arc and drain a three, five seconds into the shot clock. You know, sometimes you, you just have to get the ball into the, right. into, into the hands of Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, in the high post and let him go to work, right? Um, and, and so that's sort of what they're trying to get from Jalen Milrow. And we've seen glimpses of it, but that lapse we saw from him in the second half against Arkansas, to me, is a red flag and still very concerning. So we're trying to turn Jalen Milrow from Jordan Poole to, a, uh, to Chris Paul. That, that's the idea here. That seems yeah. to be the idea. Boy, in Grizzlies terms, he could be um, – it could be Marcus Smart. Okay, I like that. I like, and it's it's strange this Alabama team. Like the the offensive line has not been good, but I I just think they're caught. Does it feel like this to you? They they seem to be caught in between two schemes. They went to Tommy Reese. They wanted to run the ball more. They have this big massive O line that three of the guys are over three sixty, and they can't pass protect. It shouldn't be surprising that they can't pass protect. It feels like they were trying to switch their styles, and they haven't fully made that switch. Yeah, I don't totally understand why Alabama's run game has not been effective this season. It's been disappointing. There are moments where they can run the football effectively, and they did it well enough to win the game against Arkansas. But you go back to the Texas A&M game, and the top two backs for Alabama in that game – uh, they totaled uh, 54 yards on nearly 20 carries combined, uh, Roy Dell Williams and Jace McClellan. And then we see Tennessee run for 230-plus yards against Texas A&M. So why is Alabama's running game not elite when they, they bulked up on the offensive line, as you described? To me, I, I, that is the biggest question, the biggest issue. That has nothing really to do with quarterback play whatsoever and uh, I think the backs are, are plenty talented the linemen are big enough why, why isn't it working in their in their run game and that's I think the great mystery and probably the biggest thing holding Alabama back from being in my mind a legitimate CFP contender mm-hmm. now uh, the other big game this week we have Penn State at Ohio State and Drew Aller's been a stud has not thrown a pick yet I love their two-headed monster of Katron Allen and Nick Singleton although I haven't really seen the uh, I, I haven't seen – I think they have one 100-yard game between the both of them. Now, they split carries, and that could be a, a issue there in, in regards to getting them up over that 100-yard uh, that mark. But I like what they have there. O-line, very, very solid. Probably the best left tackle in the, uh, in the country. Um, probably should have came out in the NFL draft last year. Would have been the first tackle off the board. But he stays. He'll probably still be the first tackle off the board. What do you think about this game? I'm having trouble with this. We know that James Franklin comes up uh, short in these big games, but I feel like this is one of the best teams he's had since he's been at Penn State. It is. I think this is a low-scoring game. I think this is a 20-17 to type of ball game. Gabe, I was driving through Memphis 
uh, uh, probably a couple of days after the Ohio State Notre Dame game. So either that right. Monday or Tuesday. And and I heard you hyping up Ohio State. Like I I heard you buying in. Like you were. Def- you were but let's let's not deny the defensive the 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 defense finally showing up in a big way. Now offensively, I'm not fully sold, but defense, I think I'm there. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. I know. I know you're driving that that bandwagon that hype train. For CBS, I picked Penn State straight up in this game. Um, so, so we might be at odds here. And it's not because I have a ton of faith in the Penn State offense. I just think the Penn State defense is filthy. And I'm not totally bought in on Ohio State offensively. No, don't get me wrong. That's of course, fair. The, the receivers are incredible. Uh, but there is a downgrade with Kyle McCord. And then they just struggle in, in third and short, fourth and short. They get across the goal line against Notre Dame in a situation where Notre Dame only has 10 players on the field. So, yeah, they got the tough yard when they needed it, but do they get that tough yard if there's a uh, another 275-pound uh, defensive lineman there? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll, uh, history, uh, we'll never know. So I just have my doubts about Ohio State's toughness offensively up front. I think this uh, Penn State team is, is the toughest challenge they'll face in that way to this point. And it feels like the Nittany Lions are due for a breakthrough because I do agree with you on the fact that this is – James Franklin's best team that he's had. Yeah, now with Ohio State, to defend myself a tad bit, Jim Knowles, this, you can admit that this is the best defense I think we've, arguably, that we have seen under Ryan Day. I mean, yeah. it, it, they, they have an edge about them defensively. Offensively, not so much, but defensively, no doubt. It, yes, I think Jim Knowles has elevated uh, that defense considerably. He made them somewhat better last season. Now he's in year two, and they are clearly – a lot better. I don't think they're perfect. I don't think they're invincible, though. I flash back to that Notre Dame game, and early in the second half of that game, Notre Dame pieced together a couple of really long touchdown drives. And when you look at the caliber of teams that Ohio State has played, other than Notre Dame, there's really nobody on there. And, and Notre Dame's offense isn't elite. Like, they've struggled since then offensively. But in that moment, in the third quarter, they moved the football pretty effectively through, through the air and on the ground against Ohio State. And so to mm-hmm. me, there's still, even though we're in mid to late October now, this element of uncertainty there okay. because we've not necessarily seen them prove it in a, in a big spot. Uh, Penn State, again, questions about them offensively, but with, with Ohio State being better defensively, Penn State being nasty defensively, yeah, I mean, I would take the under on this game. Understood. Well, Dave, we got to cut the time short. We got to pass off the Grizzlies here in a second, but appreciate you. We'll do it again soon. All right, man. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. He is David Cobb, college football and college basketball writer for CBS Sports on X at David W. Cobb. Now it's time to go ahead and wrap up the show. Make sure over the weekend we have a lot to catch. We mentioned that Ohio State-Penn State game. We're going to have Tennessee-Alabama. It's Tennessee-Alabama hate week each side. We understand how that game's going to go. A lot of vitriol. A lot of vitriol, and I think Alabama's going to try to get their get back. Tigers at UAB, 11 a.m., and then we'll have some NFL Sunday. Make sure you tune into all that. But that's a wrap for the show today. Thanks to David Cobb for spreading some knowledge, Lee Sterling for some picks, and, of course, Jeff Calkins per normal. We will meet back here at the same time on Monday. In the meantime, it's time to pass you off to Grizzlies pregame for the preseason finale in Milwaukee. Gary Darby will take over in just a moment. For Brad, I'm Gabe. Be easy, be safe, and enjoy your weekend.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.